0: welcome to the stanley cup playoff report
1: here are dan rusinowski and drew ramenda it is a beautiful week for hockey in the national hockey league first round playoffs continuing all as advertised tremendous tremendous games and drew we've had a few days to contemplate what's been going on what are your general thoughts about the playoffs so far
2: well first off it's been as close as we thought it was going to be these teams are very evenly matched even though there's some uh um series that are 3-1 um just doesn't show how difficult the games have been they the, the other thing we look at is that um no lead is safe in hockey as displayed with the Tampa Toronto games my <laughs> it, god my goodness me the la um oiler games there's no 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 series has hasn't had a comeback yet it's Absolutely amazing to watch, and um, I think we've seen the stars come out to play, which is fun to watch. But we've also, if you look at the stats and you look at the teams or the guys that are leading the stats, it's not your cast of usual characters, right? I mean, it's it's the new it's the new blood in the National Hockey League that is is leading the way. It's been to me a very entertaining and engaging first round so far. It's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's been better than any playoffs in any other sport, and it always is that way, and we say that every year, but it seems to be going leaps and bounds above that this season. You know, talk about new players. I'm thinking of one goaltender for the New Jersey Devils, Akira Schmidt. Steps in, and he looks fantastic. I understand you know, that his name probably did come up in the Timo O'Meyer trade discussions, but I'm sure the Devils shut that down for a good reason, and we're seeing why.
2: This guy, is from. he's 22 years old uh, from Sweden. He he was in the WHL for a game and then he went to the USHL grind out there in Omaha and Sioux City. Went to he was drafted by the Devils, what, fifth round, Danny or something like that? Yep. And and he's he played a handful of games, but the Devils were in trouble. The Devils were in trouble, and the Rangers were just flying all over the place. And the Devils um they put in Schmidt and he's only allowed two goals in two games and he's got a nine six six save percentage. And last night he was outstanding uh, against the Rangers. The Rangers are, you know, now it's two, two that series. That's it's.
1: Well, the the road team has won every game so far. That's the wacky
2: thing. Well, the thing is though, I was, I was talking about this when, when it's in, it doesn't matter which building it is. But if the so-called road team wins, a cheer goes up just as loud as – because it's just across – the you know better than anybody. Sure. It's your, it's your stomping ground. It's just across the river. So there's as many Jersey fans and Jersey jerseys, excuse me, um, in at, at MSG as there are when they go back to uh, to New Jersey. So it's fun to watch the, that the fans can go back and forth. And um, there's they've been very well-behaved. Very well behaved, except Boston and Florida game. I don't know if you saw that little skirmish in the stands, but anyway.
1: Yeah, there was some, well, there was some skirmishes on the ice too between those two teams, and of course that thing is is uh, coming to where we thought it would. Yeah, Boston on the brink of winning. Same thing with Vegas and Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg has fought a really good fight. Unfortunately, when you lose uh, now Shifley out, you lose Morrissey, your best defenseman, and Ehlers isn't there. That's, those are three pretty big names that you lose for Ricky Bonus to keep things going. They're just going to rely on Hellebook to try to keep them alive.
2: Yeah, and there's only so much you can do. After a flat, and that was complimentary, performance in game one, the Vegas Golden Knights have got their game going.
1: Let's get to the what I'm going to call the marquee game of the last yeah. couple of games, and that would be Toronto-Champa. Here we go. First period, it all starts, and the goaltender looks like he's ready to play. So
3: Hagel with a penalty shot on Ilya Samsonov, and here he comes left handed shot straight down the middle of the ice, shoots, pad save! Sammy gets the left leg in front of it. And Morgan Riley breathes easier.
1: Now you're going to hear a little bit of Joe Bowen on the call <laughs> on that with Toronto Maple Leafs Radio, good friend of ours, just one of the best guys uh, yeah. in the game. And uh, it's tough to stop a penalty shot if you're a goaltender in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so full marks to Samson off there.
2: He, he didn't do anything. He just stood there and just uh, completely outweighed Hagel. It was, a, it was textbook goaltending.
1: Meanwhile, Lightning take the lead. All of a sudden, they're down, but all of a sudden, Austin Matthews gets going McCabe right back
3: to the blue line had it knocked away Tavares waiting for teammates played it off to Marner Marner for Matthews and Brody had to pick up a loose puck tried to swing it back and does Nylander across the line shot scores Matthews snaps it in Leafs are
1: within two so they're within two, down four to one. Matthews scores four to two. Looks like the Leafs are going to make a game of it. And then Matthews keeps going. He'll start out again. Works to center. Again, a drop pass. Matthews
3: on the wing to Marner. They're into the zone. Now they got to try and set it up. Giordano, far side, scores! Holy back The Leafs have found a way! I don't know how that worked, but it did! Matthews gets a tip! on a rather innocent-looking shot, and it is 4-3.
1: Two great goals by Austin Matthews, and of course the uh, the booth is going to explode in Toronto with uh, Joe Bowen giving us the call. Great mm-hmm. job, Joe. But Austin Matthews, what a great player. Oh, the, the real attention's been on Marner. He's been doing all the scoring, but Matthews stepping up when it really mattered and made a game of it right there.
2: You said it. Stepping up when it really mattered. They were kind of waiting for Austin Matthews to start putting the puck in the net and those two, those two goals. The first one was just a rocket of a shot and then getting in the right position. How many times you talk about being net front, right? Being net front all the time. And and then he gets that other one. This was a game where 40 plus minutes, 50 minutes, Tampa Bay was in total charge of this game. They allowed five shots in the first period against the Leafs. They were in total control of this game until Matthew scores that second goal. And then, Boy, do they start to roll the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Well, and then the other guy that was getting all kinds of pressure at the beginning of the year. Get him out of here. Morgan Riley can't play for the Maple Leafs anymore. And then with the extra guy out there, this happened.
3: Puck along the boards. Comes back to Morgan Riley. Shot from the point. Scores! He scores! Move! Move! game
1: unbelievable they actually tied the game and then with the score 4-4 Samsonoff had to come up with a pretty big save Brody gets it ahead to Willie Nylander into the
3: zone Nylander drops it back McCabe stumbled and now there's an odd man rush it's Killorn working in on the right side dropping it back gets it returned Sammy makes the save and he covers up on the rebound
1: that could have been disastrous. There's Jimmy Ralph stepping Jimmy in Ralph. With the understatement of the year. It really could have been disastrous, but as it turned out, it turned to be a disaster and turned into a disaster for the Tampa Bay Lightning Drew, and it happened because of what you said before, a net front presence with Alexander Kerfoot in overtime.
3: Nylander slides through the neutral zone and in. Right wing side, Kerfoot. Kerfoot into the corner, played it back to the blue line. Over it goes to Willie, back it comes to Giordano. Giordano shot, SCORES! SCORES! Mark Giordano, SCORING! The pass off the wing, and the shot from the blue line was deflected right at the goal, but the Leafs win it in overtime!
1: What a miracle for the city of Toronto. And again, they keep cutting on the TV broadcast to, to Toronto, where it's amazing how many yeah. people are gathering together and they're going crazy. Same thing's happening at Edmonton, by the way, when the games are in Los Angeles.
2: I don't know if you saw it on TNT. It was the previous game when O'Reilly scores to tie it up late in the game. And they, they uh, TNT shows the highlight and then they switch to the the uh, Maple Leaf square or Raptor square, whatever they call it. Right. But the graph, but the, so the crowd going crazy, jumping up and down, but the graphics said NHL situation room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they're all Maple Leafs fans in the situation room. Is <laughs> exactly. that what you're saying?
2: Well, that's what, that's what the graphics said. So I, I laughed. I thought that was hysterical. I'm not sure if it was just a graphics guy who was just having some fun or what it was, but the, uh, the, the, the people I, I don't, People in Toronto, and you said, they were so nervous about this. Now, remember, Toronto Maple Leafs haven't won a playoff round since 2003. There is no active player in the National Hockey League right now, no active player who's lost a playoff series to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But when we looked at Toronto this year, we all kind of thought this, this could be the year. And the interesting thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning is they had both these games in Tampa. Both these games, they had the lead late in the game. And they let it slip away, but the Toronto Maple Leafs got to give them credit. And and Sheldon Keith, their head coach, said it today: those last two games that they played in Tampa, previous Leaf teams would have lost those games, and it would be the situation would be reversed. They'd be they'd be down three-one in the series. So they have matured, and they've been led by their big guys.
0: We continue now with the
1: Sharks playoff report on the San Jose Sharks audio network. Our Stanley Cup playoff report continues as we move on to the Dallas-Minnesota series. And what a series it is. A couple of blowouts and a couple of close games, but now it's all tied at two. Here's some of the highlights from the last game, including this goal by Tyler Sagan.
0: But game four is a hurdle they've yet to get over. We'll see if it happens tonight, but they'll have to kill this penalty and then get this game tied. Jamie Benn with the puck. He'll give it to Sagan. He scores! Tyler Sagan! 3-1 Dallas! A power play goal here in the third!
1: Well, that looked pretty good, but then all of a sudden, Benjamin Gaudreau made it close for Minnesota.
0: And he has been terrific here tonight with 32 saves. Now Klingberg has it. Empty net and a power
3: play. Klingberg on the wing. Shot! Save! Rebound! Gaudreau scores!
1: That made it close, but it wasn't close enough. And, of course, you've got the familiar voice of Randy Hahn calling the action on TBS, and he joins us right now. Randy, great to see that you're, you're in the playoffs. Nice that one of us is working for a few days, but what are your thoughts about the series so far?
0: Well, it's probably one of the overlooked series so far in the NHL because in Canada, of course, uh, the hockey fans there and the media are so fixed on the Toronto Maple Leafs and then in the West on the Edmonton Oilers, and, and rightfully so. Uh, the Leafs now on the brink of of moving on and, you know, slaying the dragon, if you will, and getting past Tampa and, and Edmonton, uh, evening up their series. And then in the U.S., you have the New York series, right? The Devils and the Rangers. So the hockey media in the East is certainly focused on that, along with following what Boston is doing. And then you have the defending Stanley Cup champions, Colorado, in a series as well. So Dallas, Minnesota has kind of been under the radar, I think, Uh, you know, between uh, the media base and fan base in North America. But it has been a terrific series, incredibly physical, uh, great goaltending and an interesting matchup uh, when it comes to the coaches. And, you know, as as Sharks broadcasters, we recognize all the connections between these two teams and the Sharks. But then you look at the two teams uh, themselves the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars, there's so many connections between the two franchises in, in and from the very beginnings of the uh, Dallas Stars franchise. It used to be the Minnesota North stars. So it's been very compelling and interesting from the uh, so many standpoints.
1: Dallas has Miro Haskinen and he's one of the better offensive players in the league. Sometimes gets overlooked too, because of how great Kale McCarr and Eric Carlson and other players like Adam Fox have been, but this guy really is the real deal. And then on the other side, you've got a guy who used to play in Dallas, John Klingberg, who started the season in Anaheim. He scored a a couple of goals in this playoff. So kind of uh, at least one goal anyway, in the playoffs, four points, So that that's got to be an interesting combination too.
0: Yeah, of course. And here we go again, Klingberg, the former Dallas star. You know, and you just there was a there was a goal I think in game three where all three players for um, Minnesota were former Dallas stars, and it just goes on and on. But Haskinen, you're right. He he, unfortunately for him, doesn't get the credit I think because he's playing in the Kale McCarr. The Eric Carlson, the Adam Fox uh, era of defensemen, where it's awfully tough to break through because they're, they're also elite. But he's one of the best in the NHL. He's only 23, and he's already a veteran. Uh, He's already elite, uh, and much more to come from uh, Haskin. And, and you know, you look at at this series, and his name is all over the score sheet in most of the games, uh, including a, a four point uh, game two when when Dallas uh, blew out Minnesota 7-3. to And then you have Klingberg, who who didn't play in the first couple of games in the series due to an injury, and you were wondering where his impact was going to be, and you figured it would be on the power play primarily, and Jared Spurgeon was kind of forced into the number one player power play role in the absence of Klingberg, who they got at the deadline, but now that Klingberg has come back, uh, he's stepped in on the power play, made that more effective, but uh, Minnesota still has a little ways to go to try and catch up to the Dallas power play, which now has scored seven goals in the first four games of the series. So I don't know if they need to catch up or if they need to do a better job penalty killing or finish their own chances. But right now, uh, the Minnesota Wilds seem to have more work to do than the Dallas Stars who are going home for game five tonight.
1: Yeah, it seems like that. It's a big opportunity for the Dallas Stars for tonight's game. But uh, tell you what, uh, one guy was really impressing me. Is Rope Hints, and he just keeps on coming up with big plays and big games, and he just seems to be so calm out there. What do you think?
0: Well, no, I agree. He had the hat trick in Game Two in that seven-goal game for Dallas, and then it, it kind of quietly in Game Four had three assists, including uh, the primary assist on the first two goals by Sagan and Dodonov. And you know, here's another guy who I think because of the market he plays in, maybe, and uh, the fact that Jason Robertson had. Such a huge year, 109 points for Dallas. Rope Hintz kind of gets a little bit forgotten sometimes. But, uh, you know, he was a point a game player this year. He played in only 73 games uh, in the regular season, but had 75 points. And he's come through and been clutch in these playoffs now for uh, Pete DeBoer, a former Sharks coach. Uh, another here we go again. There. Yeah, here we go again. Um, but Hints is, is you know, Pete DeBoer said he's elite. And that's saying something from Pete DeBoer, who doesn't throw around uh, comments like that. So, you know, DeBoer has an elite defenseman in Haskinen. and he's got an elite goal scorer in Robertson. And he has an elite uh, guy who can score and make plays in Rope Hanson. Then, of course, we saw what an elite goalie Jake Ottinger is. Uh, He was absolutely incredible in game for uh, playing in front of uh, many friends and family as he's from uh, Lakeville, just about 30 miles from St. Paul. So there's another connection. There's another connection with Minnesota. It's crazy. The other bizarre.
1: The other part of it, too, uh, let's not forget that uh, David Quinn knows Jake Ottinger reasonably well because of his time in Boston and college with Boston University. But uh, he's been terrific, and he's had two great playoffs. What about the Minnesota goaltending situation? They've gone back and forth a little bit. Flower got lit up in the one game he played, but looks like Gustafson's playing pretty well.
0: Yeah, Philip Gustafson has been been excellent for them. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he stole game one, 51 saves in double overtime because I think Dallas was maybe a little bit the better team in that game, even though um, uh, at the other end, uh, made 45 saves in game one. Uh, Gustafson was terrific in that game. Uh, he's been solid uh, through this whole series. Uh, in his Stanley Cup debut, I mean, this guy – was uh, drafted by Pittsburgh when Bill Guerin, the former Shark and former Dallas Star, was the assistant general manager there. Um, and and I'm not sure that he had a real insight into Gustafson's game when he traded uh, Cam Talbot to uh, Ottawa and got Gustafson in that deal. But, boy, as he turned out, I mean, Guerin has not been the GM there that long, three, four years. So none of his draft picks have come to this roster yet, his uh, fingerprints are on this Minnesota team with with the trades and the signings he's made, uh, like Gustafson, uh, like Flurry, um, Middleton, you know, like like Nyquist, who's having a good play, another former Shark, uh, or um, uh, Johansson and others, uh, and Middleton, another former Shark. So that's where Guerin's made his impact. Um, as opposed to Jim Nill, who's, you know, been the guy who's drafted these players like Rope Hanson, Jason Robertson and, uh, and Miro Haskin. And so it's, there's a contrast there, but Gustafson has been uh, a real nice pickup by Bill here. I'm not sure he knew he was trading for a number one goalie when he got Gustafson from Ottawa, but he's turned out to be that.
1: Well, the same thing in New Jersey that uh, that Schmidt is really a good player, Akira Schmidt, and I I understand that uh, that uh, his name probably did come up in the discussions when when Mike Greer was having. Uh, Talks with New Jersey about the Timo Meyer trade, but there was no way they were going to let him go. And you could see why about how how great he's been for the Devils. And we've seen that go across the league with new guys coming in and making contributions. But through all this and with all the uh, uh, the X Sharks involved in the playoffs, Randy, I just wonder if you get a gauge of where the, the Sharks organization actually is when looking at the way the team played down the stretch and, and how you compare it to the style of hockey and the quality of hockey you're seeing now.
0: I think the Sharks are a, a fair bit away from what we're seeing right now. Uh, it starts in net. Uh, you, you've got to have a goaltender who can steal you a game every once in a while, like Gustafson did in game one, uh, like Ottinger may have done in game four for Dallas, uh, 32 saves. Uh, he was just clutch. And and we haven't seen that from the roster goalies yet. We haven't really seen an organizational goalie at either at the Barracuda or beyond who you could look at and say, that's the future in net for the Sharks. So I think it starts there, but the things I do like that um, Mike Greer has brought to the lineup already with the acquisitions he's made from, you know, certain players, uh, a Stephen Lawrence comes to mind uh, is, is that sandpaper, that grit, uh, that size um, even special to some extent, um, and, and those are obviously important components in a playoff series. And then, of course, it comes down to skill. I mean, you've got to have those high-end players. And, and I think the Sharks need, uh, need more of that. Uh, they'll get more of that. They have some of it in, in Couture and Hurdle and Carlson, obviously, and others. But, uh, you know, you look at these, these top teams in the playoffs, uh, and even the teams that just get into the playoffs – at that number uh, eight spot in the respective conferences, call it a Winnipeg or a Florida, if you will. I think the Sharks still have some work to do to get
1: to that level. Well, we look forward to seeing that work, and we look forward to chatting with you during the playoffs. Thanks, Randy.
0: Thanks, Dan. We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.
1: Meantime, LA Edmonton is certainly an interesting series. Last game, it was all LA early. Villardi's
4: line out. Jersey looking for a play, a long stretch pass. Ayafalo hands it off. Fiala
1: in the zone to the circle of shots. save. score and the rebound. Gabe Villardi. Nick Nixon calling the action, making it 1 nothing Los Angeles. And he was still excited when Arvidsson made it 2 0. Roy behind his
4: own net, reversing for Dano. Deno's outlet on right wing to Moore at center. Moore across to Arvidsson, left wing spinning, move in on goal, shoots, scores! What a move by Victor Arvidsson! He got the lead pass at the Edmonton line on left wing, spun around, a defender walked in and beat Skinner from
1: the left circle. Victor Arvidsson and the Kings have a 2-0 lead! And then things were looking even better when Andrzej Kopitar, one of our favorites, put one in. Kings with a 2-0 lead and a power play now for Fiala to Kempe.
4: Kempe over the line to Kopitar. Threw it into the right wing corner. Nurse is there. Couldn't clear it out. Loose puck in front. Kopitar in. Shoots. And scores! It's a power play goal for Andrzej Kopitar. Three unanswered first-period goals by the Kings here in Game 4. Vallardi, Arvidsson, and now
1: Kopitar, 3 nothing, Los Angeles. But then after that, the Edmonton Oilers just started to put their heads down and get back into the game. Leon Dreisaitl has been a great playoff. He's been part of it. But it all came down to Zach Hyman.
3: Deadlocked at 4. Edmonton has never led. Hyman left wing for the win. He shoots and scores! Hyman, this game is over. This series is tied. Five, four, Edmonton in overtime.
1: Now there's Jack Michaels giving it the call for the Edmonton Oilers radio broadcast on 630 Ched. And uh, now we have a very, very interesting, interesting series, don't we?
2: We really do. The, this series, I, I do believe every game in this series that one team has gotten out to a lead, two goals or more, and then the other teams come back to tie it, um, if I remember correctly on this. the series has been really interesting to watch. There's been some controversy. The, uh, the couple of uh, overtime wins by the LA Kings have led the uh, Edmonton Oilers fans to say that the NHL is against them. And, and have it rigged because they want the, the LA to win. This is a team that's got at one time had four of the number 1 draft picks in 6 years, including Connor McDavid. Yeah, the NHL's out to get to that's, that's yeah, sure thinking. Yeah. Um so there's been some controversy in the playoffs. It's led to a lot of conversation in Canada. It's all, it led to a lot of conversation period about refereeing in this in this league. But the one was um taking a penalty and um and it was a tripping penalty in overtime, it was, a, it was a trip. Jay Woodcroft talked about, it was a guy stepping on a broken stick, but it was Jay, Jay doing Selling. what the coaches do. Exactly. Uh, the last one was the game previous, which was it looked like it might've been a high stick in the corner by Velarde to knock the puck down. I thought Don't it was the- not
1: a high stick. I think it are was you- exactly the right call.
2: I, I agree with you. Um, but again, you know what, you know, what people are like and, and it became a really interesting debate Plus, here's a
1: here's a question about that too. Yeah, is that a reviewable play because it's it, well, overtime? I
2: guess, I guess it is because I, I don't I, think it's reviewable any other time. I didn't think it was either, but I guess it is, and because the Situation Room in overtime looks at every goal, right? And and the last minute of the third period, so I guess it is. I did I did not know that either. But Edmonton, uh, you got to give them credit. There's another team whose whose general manager has done a lot, Ken Holland, in trying to build that team up. And um, Jay Woodcroft made an interesting move. He pulled out Stuart Skinner, who played so well in the series. They, he pulled him out after the first period. Jack Campbell, who's been much maligned this year. He was a big free agent signing by Ken Holland. He played outstanding. It was one of the reasons that the Oilers were able to get back in the game. And so game five, Jay Woodcroft is putting back in Stuart Skinner. So it's, that part is really interesting. So an interesting coaching move there. Todd McClellan. And that team, he has done such a good job with that team. They, they have slowed down the the uh, Oilers as best he could. But Danny, their power play, I think they're six for 11 or something like that. You, you can't say stay out of the box because it's just impossible. You're going to take penalties but their penalty killing has got to come up with something big. I, I look for Corpus Allo to have a big game in game five.
1: I want to finish up our show today with a little chat about the Seattle Kraken, because I don't think yeah. anybody expected that they were going to give the Colorado Avalanche what they're giving like on this play.
3: Daniel Sprong scores already in this game. His shot was blocked. Everly gets it in the slot. Swartz. Everly scores!
1: And Everett Fitz you on the call for Seattle Kraken Radio. And that brings back memories of the first playoff that we went through in back in 1994. That's got to be what it feels like in Seattle right now.
2: I was thinking the same thing watching that last night and watching the fans just go absolutely crazy on the first win in Seattle uh, in the playoffs with the Kraken. And Jordan Everly two Saskatchewan guys uh, trying to get that puck in the net, they were able to do so. Terrific. Terrific game last night. Kale McCarr is going to have a hearing, by the way, on the hit on McCann earlier in the game. So we know that Kale's not a dirty hockey player.
1: No. Which, which he, by the way, will bring all of the conspiracy theories that the NHL wants Seattle to win.
2: <laughs> exactly. Here we go again. <laughs> but they, you're absolutely right. As far as the reaction of the fans and and how loud that place got, it really reminded me of '94.
1: Well, it's pretty exciting. I'm going to give you my picks right now for the rest of the series as we go. I think Colorado is going to hang on to win, but boy, Seattle is making a great series out of it. You never know. It could still go either way. As far as Winnipeg-Vegas, I think Vegas has got that series under control, as does Boston against Florida. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have taken control of the series. We'll see if they can go to that next level and beat Tampa. The Lightning, of course, not to be denied. I think the Rangers are going to survive against the Devils, but boy, they are making it tough. And Lindy Ruff has done a great job in getting his team to change the kind of style of play that they've had Mm -hmm. from most of the year. Carolina, Brent Burns is having an unbelievable series. I think they're in control. And Dallas, Minnesota, I don't know who to pick. I think I'm going to make a heart choice here and say I don't want to bet against Dean Evison.
2: Dean Everson, by the way, after the last game were a couple of atrocious calls. Dean Everson's post-game press conference. Every National Hockey League coach should look at that and say, that's the way you do it when you were after a game. It was perfect messaging, really well done by Dean. Um I'm in agreement with all of you, with all of your choices. Um, I'm I'm wishy-washy on the Jersey Rangers one. I think the Rangers have way too much talent to lose this, but the way that Hughes has picked up his game and the way that Schmidt is playing, I'm I I don't know that series at all. I I'm, I'm rolling the dice on that one, pal.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tight one. I I just have a feeling they're going to find a way to survive, but uh, somebody's got to win a home game at some point. And, <laughs>
2: exactly. You, you, you know that
1: that's going to probably turn the series. Well, Drew, we've come to an end of another Stanley Cup playoff report. I'm looking forward to speaking with you later in the week, and we've got some great games going on.
2: Absolutely. It's it's been it's been fun. So stay tuned to to watch the games, but also come back and talk to us and listen to us as well, please.
1: You've been
0: listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. This has been a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.